It's Monday, December 12th, 2022, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine, here again with Adrian Bluss for your Daily News Roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, the stakes ahead for SBF, top headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin, Ether, and most other top-traded tokens are down a bit this morning, as investors prepare for what will likely be the last significant event on 2022's inflation front, the release of November Consumer Price Index data. Those are, of course, the official massage statistics, which are scheduled to hit tomorrow morning. Then on Wednesday, traders will get a look at the U.S. Central Bank's last interest rate decision of the year. Spoiler alert, we're expecting it to go higher. With just a couple of minor exceptions, the largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization has held firmly above $17,000 over the past two weeks, as the fallout from crypto exchange FTX's implosion and other industry debacles have recently slowed. In an email to Coindesk, Joe DePasquale, he's the CEO of crypto fund manager Bitbull Capital, noted that Bitcoin has managed to hold the 17K threshold, although he cautions, quote, With these key events coming up, volatility is expected, but the bias remains to the upside, and we'd like to see 20K on the top and respect for 16K at the bottom, end quote. Ether is also down slightly a bit compared to our show last week. Other major cryptos are trending mostly in the red, with decentralized network Cosmos's Atom token falling by more than 4%, and the original dog money Dogecoin down by 3.6%. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk markets analysts Shuri Amawa and James Rubin. Bitcoin is currently trading at $17,027 per token. That's down about half a percent since our show on Friday, while Ether is trading at $1,253 per ETH. That's down just under one and a quarter percent in the same time period, according to the Coindesk Market Index. And speaking of the Coindesk Market Index, we're looking at an absolute reading this morning of 853, compared to Friday's reading of 866, which is a drop of about one and a half percent across top-traded tokens. Now, before we get to today's traditional markets update, let's take a quick look at some top headlines. First up, some interesting drama came to light after Friday's show, wherein it was revealed somewhat inadvertently that crypto media site The Block was secretly funded over the last two years by Sam Bankman-Fried's Alameda Research. The Block confirmed this on Friday. The company's CEO, Michael McCaffrey, immediately resigned after the loans came to light and announced he'll also step down from the Block's board, where he was the sole member. According to McCaffrey, no one at the company besides himself had knowledge of the loans. And digging a bit into the details, McCaffrey reportedly received three loans for a total of $43 million from 2021 through this year. The first loan was for $12 million in 2021 to buy out other investors in the media company, with the effect of turning it into a company owned entirely by its employees, at which time McCaffrey took over as CEO. The second loan was for $15 million in January to fund day-to-day operations. And the third was for $16 million earlier this year for McCaffrey to purchase personal real estate in the Bahamas. That's all according to the block. Since all of this has happened, Bobby Moran, the block's chief revenue officer, has announced that he'll step into the role of CEO effective immediately. Coindesk's Nelson Wong has more on this one. Elsewhere, the blockchain-based lending protocol Maple Finance is in some trouble. It started in May of 2021 with a bold concept, build a decentralized credit marketplace for cryptocurrencies where lenders and borrowers could come together, using new technology in a somewhat old-fashioned way. Unlike other decentralized finance or DeFi lending platforms that have cropped up in recent years, Maple's model did not require cryptocurrencies to be deposited as collateral that could be seized or sold in the event of a default. Instead, underwriters of the various lending pools made decisions on whether to grant loans, essentially evaluating the borrower's ability to pay based on their creditworthiness alone. 
But this year's trauma in crypto markets has provided something of a brutal stress test that now has Maple facing its biggest crisis in its history. In just the past two weeks, some $36 million worth of loans have defaulted, with another $18 million distressed. The bad debt represents 66% of the total outstanding debt in Maple's four active lending pools, with some of the biggest borrowers acknowledging that they were devastated by the spectacular collapse of FTX. Maple's native token, meanwhile, MPL, has fallen by 50% over the time period, currently trading at an all-time low. Coindesk's Christian Sandor has more. And finally, a number of celebrities, including Justin Bieber, among others, were named as plaintiffs in a class-action lawsuit, alleging that Yuga Labs' non-fungible tokens collections were misleadingly promoted and resulted in financial damage to the defendants. Yuga Labs is, of course, the company behind the board Yacht Club collection. According to the filing, both plaintiffs purchased assets, including a mutant ape in one case for $17,000 and an undisclosed amount of ape coin in another, quote, in reliance on the misleading promotions and, quote, from Yuga Labs and a number of other celebrities, resulting in investment losses. The suit also alleges that Yuga Labs and Web3 Investor were involved in a vast scheme and used crypto payments platform MoonPay as a front operation to promote and sell digital assets. Quote, the executives at Yuga and Ossery together devised a plan to leverage their vast network of A-list musicians, athletes, and celebrity clients and associates to misleadingly promote and sell the Yuga financial products, the lawsuit reads. In total, the suit names 37 defendants, including the founders and leadership team at Yuga Labs, MoonPay, and its CEO, Reddit co-founder and investor Alexis Ohanian, NFT artist Beeple, ApeDAO board members and celebrities including Jimmy Fallon, Gwyneth Paltrow, Madonna, Paris Hilton, Serena Williams, Post Malone, the shoe brand Adidas, and several others. The lawsuit alleges that Board Ape Yacht Club and related NFTs, quote, rely heavily on the perception that joining the club brings investor status and provides them access to events, benefits, and other lucrative investment opportunities exclusive to BAYC holders. Continuing, the exclusiveness of BAYC memberships are entirely based on the inclusion and endorsements of highly influential celebrities, the lawsuit claims. A spokesperson for Yuga Labs called the claims opportunistic and parasitic, saying, We strongly believe that they are without merit and look forward to proving as much, end quote. Representatives from MoonPay and other parties did not immediately respond to Coindesk's requests for comment. And shifting to traditional markets, three of the world's biggest central banks are expected to raise interest rates this week. Investors anticipate that the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, and the European Central Bank will each increase interest rates, but at a slower pace than recent months, which is seen as good news for markets as they contend with typical end-of-the-year trading cycles, where traders crystallize losses for tax purposes. So far this year, interest rates have risen from close to zero to between 3.75% and 4% in the U.S., 1.5% in the Eurozone, and about 3% in the U.K., hammering global financial markets in the process. Now let's get into the numbers. Since our last show Friday, major indexes in the U.S. sank. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost just under 1%, while both the S&P 500 and the tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 fell just under three-quarters of a point. In Europe, major stocks also dipped, with the regional stock 600, London's FTSE 100, and Germany's DAX all losing about a third of a point. As we continue to the east, Asian markets also declined. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index was down by 2.2%, while the Shanghai Composite lost just under one point. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 was down by two-tenths of a point. Taking a quick look at commodities markets, Brent crude, that's the global benchmark for oil, lost eight-tenths of a percent, currently trading at $76.17 per barrel. Meanwhile, gold is trading hands at $1,800 per troy ounce. That's down about three-quarters of one percentage point since our show on Friday. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from the FT and Market Watch. Stay tuned for after the break. We'll take a look at what the other shoe could be for Sam Bankman-Fried. Back in a minute. 
Hey folks, this is Adrian Blust, associate producer on Coindesk Podcasts. If you like Markets Daily, it'd be great to hear from you. Give us a shout by leaving us a comment or review on your favorite podcast player. And check out our other podcasts on the Coindesk Podcast Network, like The Breakdown with NLW for a more macro perspective on the crypto market, or The Hash for a roundtable discussion on current hot topics in the crypto world. Also remember, you can always reach us at podcasts at coindesk.com. If you have any questions, feedback, or topics you'd like to share with us, just send us an email. Thanks again for listening, and let's get back to the show. Today's featured story is an opinion piece from David Z. Morris, Coindesk's Chief Insights Columnist. Our piece today is entitled, Be Patient, Sam Bankman-Fried Could Go to Prison for a Very, Very Long Time. It's now been more than a month since the Coindesk report that unraveled Sam Bankman-Fried's FTX exchange, what could be one of the largest and most egregious criminal frauds in human history. But we're still getting a steady stream of horrifying revelations, like desiccated victims being excavated from a serial killer's basement on live TV. On the brighter side, we also have some fresh insight into the severe consequences Bankman-Fried and his co-conspirators are likely to face. There has been huge anxiety, particularly among crypto types, about when and whether Bankman-Fried will be brought to justice. Despite clear signs of fraud, he does not seem to have been detained by law enforcement. He remains in the Bahamas, giving interviews intended to obfuscate his actions and distract from the continuous drumbeat of grisly financial discoveries. Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong is not alone in regarding this as baffling. The most paranoid observers, and the seemingly delusional Bankman-Fried himself, might suspect this to be light treatment the fruit of years of currying favors with U.S. leaders. But it's more likely that the delay is just part of the slow-grinding legal process, according to an in-depth new legal report from the excellent Mackenzie Siglos at CNBC. The U.S. Department of Justice has requested an independent probe of the case, and former federal prosecutor Renato Moriotti told CNBC that, quote, it sure looks like there's a chargeable fraud case here, end quote. And Bankman-Fried's potential punishment is no small potatoes. He could be sentenced to life in prison, former Commodity Future Trading Commission trial lawyer Braden Perry told CNBC. That's according to U.S. sentencing guidelines and taking into account the number of victims and the size of the apparent fraud at FTX and its closely related trading shop, Alameda Research. The CNBC report goes into gratifying detail about exactly what books are likely to be thrown at Bankman-Fried and how hard. The bad news is that those sentencing guidelines are often bent to give softer penalties to white-collar criminals. That's based on the implicit belief, still widespread in the U.S. court system, that things like financial fraud and embezzlement aren't real crimes. Bankman-Fried's youth, combined with his ongoing scheme to paint himself as an incompetent buffoon, could also elicit undeserved mercy from a court. It'll take real and sustained public and political pressure to make sure that Bankman-Fried gets what's coming to him. And coming to him, it most certainly is, as investigators just keep pulling up bodies. Recent days have seen the emergence of at least two leaks that suggest the fraud was even more depraved than previously understood. Data shared with Bitcoin.com appears to show that Alameda Research CEO Carolyn Ellison had a staggering $1.3 billion deficit on her personal FTX margin trading account as of May 2022. Accounting at both FTX and Alameda was clearly considered a detriment to the organizational goals, that is, theft, but taken as read, this deficit would be in addition to the mind-bending losses that Alameda proper was allowed to rack up on the exchange. These deficits, it must be emphasized, point to fraud at FTX more than malfeasance by Carolyn Ellison or Alameda, though there was probably plenty of that too. It's become increasingly clear that part of Bankman-Fried's strategy is to throw Ellison under the bus by blaming Alameda for losing funds. This was especially clear in an interview published Tuesday at The Block. 
But the real crime here was not Alameda being terrible at trading. It was FTX's failure to enforce fair liquidation rules for Alameda, Ellison, and perhaps other allies. In effect, exempting them from margin controls enabled their use of FTX customer funds for speculative activities. Bankman-Fried's backstabbing of Ellison, reportedly a former romantic partner, should be understood above all as an index of just how little character he has, despite his carefully crafted, altruistic persona. And the hits just keep coming. The Financial Times has received a leaked copy of the investment holdings of FTX Ventures, the exchange's venture capital unit, and one number here is paramount. The total of investment outflows tallied by the Financial Times runs at more than $5.4 billion. And here's the thing. It seems impossible that FTX could have afforded those investments, along with its other vast expenditures simply from three years of exchange revenues and its own venture capital inflows of $1.8 billion. Maybe some of the FTX venture stakes used fake FTX money like FTT, so there's more work to be done. But very simple arithmetic strongly suggests not only that FTX was dipping into customer funds, but that the people running FTX could not possibly have been ignorant of that fact. Another detail from those FTX Venture documents may or may not be criminal, but it is unambiguously disgusting. Among the entities receiving money from FTX Ventures were funds that themselves initially invested in the exchange, including Sequoia Capital and Skybridge Capital. Why were they investing in their investors? The Skybridge deal in particular had an air of weirdness even back then when it was announced in September. The FTX Ventures funding was earmarked for the Anthony Scaramucci-run venture firm to purchase cryptocurrency. This likely meant buying and custodying that crypto through FTX, which has been alleged as a condition of other deals by the exchange. So Skybridge, among others, first gave FTX money to attract more users. FTX then effectively sent those users' funds back to Skybridge and others. That left users with fictitious balances, while Skybridge funneled the cash back to FTX. The technical term for this is shady as hell. And now we venture into the real basement. What follows is a hypothetical so shocking, so gory, and so foul that only the most steel-stomached financial gorehounds should dare to entertain it. The Skybridge announcement doesn't specify what kind of crypto strategies the fund would pursue with FTX Ventures' money. The most horrifying human centipede scenario would be that Skybridge, and or other funds that got tens of millions of dollars from FTX, used some of those rehypothecated FTX user funds to buy the exchange's token, FTT, which was created by FTX. As we've told you before, the role of FTT as collateral in various loans was key to the entire house of cards. Re-re-re-hypothecating user funds by getting outside funds to use them to buy or hold FTT would have opened up further leverage for creative accounting. It's a possibility that's beyond grim and beyond Machiavellian. And maybe that's all we should ask ourselves to stomach for now. It's the holiday season and time to go enjoy some light entertainment, something to distract ourselves from the depths of real-world human depravity. I would suggest a light romp, like, say, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, send the show an email at podcast at coindesk.com or you can email me directly at adamlevine at coindesk.com. If you like what we're doing, we always appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. This episode was produced by Adrian Blust and myself with further support from the podcast team over at coindesk.com. Have a great rest of your day and we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Markets Daily. 